Rooted Prayer podcast, where we explore the new prayer movement that's awakening, fueled by the Lord's Prayer. And I'm your host, Sarah Maynard. Hello, and welcome to Rooted Prayer. This is episode number 12. And we're calling today's episode, The Do's and Don'ts of Praying the Lord's Prayer. The ways that we can pray it, that make it absolutely life-giving and amazing, and the ways that we can pray it that don't. Uh, Jesus has actually taught us how to pray it, not just what to pray. And for the last seven months or so, we've been doing this podcast. It's been really fun. We've been gathering people together and uh, kind of exploring the whole idea of uh, the Lord... um, reawakening, refocusing the church in this hour on the prayer that Jesus gave us to pray. God's really awakening it in a wonderful way. And it's in many ways for such a time as this. There's prophetic reasons for why now uh, this prayer is becoming so important and so central. We actually did a podcast a, a little while ago, the four big reasons that God is reviving the Lord's Prayer so powerfully right now. So if you haven't listened to that one, I recommend you look through our archives and take a peek. Um, uh, Give it a listen. See what you think. But, you know, all of this excitement will be in vain if we don't pray the Lord's Prayer in the way that Jesus said to. He actually did give us the do's and the don'ts. It's like the instructions that come with a big purchase. You know, you, you go out and you buy something from Ikea, you buy a new uh, sort of tech item and you're so excited about it. You come home, you rip off all the packaging and you start to try to use it or you start to try to assemble it. You know, it's human nature. We don't want to read the instructions. We don't want to take the time. You know, the instructions, they come in like 15 different languages. You have to find your language that's probably English, and it's like in size two font. You need a microscope to read it, and it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense anyway. And so it's human nature to just assume that we can do without, that we'll just apply our common sense, and we'll figure, oh, the legs go on the bottom of the table. Yeah, we've got that. But the Lord's Prayer is different. The Lord's Prayer is... Uh, a prayer that we really need Jesus to teach us how to pray it, not just what to pray. And tragically, uh, there's been a a separation of the teaching that Jesus gave in terms of how to pray it from the actual content of the prayer. Those two have been separated. They haven't been married together, even though when Jesus taught it, he taught it as one. So he taught the content of the prayer and he taught how to pray it in the same kind of setting. So this was his instructions on prayer that he gave uh, in the Sermon of the Mount in in Matthew chapter 6 and also uh, in Luke chapter 11. And so what we discover as we run ahead and try to pray the prayer without reading the instructions is that it can be frustrating and it can be feel flat and it can feel like we're just spinning our wheels. But if we read Jesus' instructions and follow them, we find that it's actually amazing. And so um, so let's look at some of the things that he says 
to do and not to do. And we'll start with the don'ts. We'll start with um, the sort of deconstructing the ways that we're tempted to pray it um, just out of natural human nature that Jesus says, don't, don't do it that way. So let's go for three different ways that Jesus says not to pray the Lord's Prayer. And first, um, he's saying, don't pray the words like they're a magic formula. Hmm. Don't pray it by rote. Putting your faith in the words of the prayer and the activity of praying to change things rather than putting your faith in the Father. Huh. So let's look at um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Jesus speaks to this and he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So he's talking about uh, the, the, the Gentiles, those that were praying in a way where their prayer was a religious work. And their, their expectation was that the more that they prayed, the more they logged prayer hours or prayer cycles or however they wanted to frame it, that that, that was actually going to earn them power with their deity, favor with their deity. But we're encouraged to not look at prayer as religious works, but actually a place of communion with our Father. And so don't pray it by rote. Um, but another way of, um, of thinking about this is don't heap up empty phrases that you don't understand. So don't pray just the words without um, engaging your heart and really uh, understanding the meaning of those words. And this is one of the reasons that we've been spending time unpacking the Lord's Prayer because there are parts of the prayer that aren't actually um, commonly understood. And so the more we explore it and dig into it, the more understanding we have, the more we can pray it in a, a, an understanding way, in a wholehearted way, so that they aren't empty phrases, but they're phrases that are full of meaning to us. And so don't pray the Lord's Prayer like the words are a magic formula. That's number one. Number two, uh, what Jesus is teaching us is don't just pray the parts that you like. Don't just cherry pick the pieces that uh, of the Lord's Prayer or the petitions of the Lord's Prayer that you resonate with, that, that may, you may be drawn more to. Uh, perhaps you really um, are drawn to the, the, the petition, let your kingdom come, or perhaps grant me today, daily bread. Like these are, these are important parts of the prayer. But we don't want to um, just pray those without praying the entirety of the prayer because the, there are other parts of the prayer that the, the Lord actually uh, is, is instructing us to pray that we may not be as drawn to. And the reason that we're not as drawn to, the, the reason we may actually want to avoid them is because they might be addressing some things in our lives, in our hearts, that we don't want to face. They may be, um, there may be a discipleship issue that we don't want um, to, to go to. You know, we want, we want to avoid it. And so by praying the entire prayer, 
we're actually allowing the Lord to lead us into those, those places, even if they're slightly uncomfortable for us, and we give him permission to, to change us and to draw us closer to him. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with simply praying one of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer as you're praying spontaneously and just kind of in this, in this flow of intercession. But, but what I'm saying is don't just do that. Make time to pray it all. And pray it from the start to the finish. Don't just jump around. There's actually a wisdom, a heavenly wisdom for the sequence. It has purpose. Um, it's, it, it was set in order both in Luke and in Matthew in, in, in the same sequence. It's not random at all. And so follow the sequence that Jesus gave us and it's, uh, it, it will change us. It will transform us. Uh, it's a journey into prayer that is so powerful. So pray it from start to finish. Number three. So we're still on the don'ts. Another don't is don't pray it in a half-hearted, insincere way. Uh, this is this is hypocrisy, okay? So we don't want to pray it like a hypocrite. And um, I'll give you an example of this. Imagine, for for example, somebody is um, praying, maybe even praying passionately, praying fervently, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But at the same time, in their own life, in their own situation, they are living rebelliously, uh, maybe blatantly violating the will of God in, in their relationships, in their finances, in their uh, integrity at work. They may know the will of God and be resistant to it, not being want, wanting to submit to it in any way in their personal life, but at the same time praying, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every one of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer has a personal application. So when we're praying that the Lord's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, we have to be able to um, allow him to take hold of, of our, our little earth, our, our life, and bring his will fully into, into this place. So when we're double-minded and we, we don't actually mean what we say, then, then we're, we're moving against um, the will of God. Now, um, another way of praying it in an insincere way is if we are not investing any faith. We're not engaging our heart. Um, we're just praying words but we're also not engaging our faith. And, and what this would look like is that we would have no expectation that this prayer is being heard uh, or that it is being responded to by the Father. That, that it's, we're just going through the motions and we have, we have zero faith that this is actually connecting with the very heart of God. Um, and so... That's actually a temptation that's really easy to fall into, particularly when we become very familiar with the words. It's easy to just pray them out without realizing that those words need to be pregnant with faith and come from our hearts. So three don'ts. 
Don't pray it. Uh, don't pray the words like they're a magic formula. Don't just pray the parts you like, and don't pray it in a in a half-hearted or an insincere way. Okay, what about the do's? And there are more do's than don'ts, of course. <laughs> I'm going to give you five do's. So three don'ts and five do's. The first do is pray it with childlike faith. Um, I'm thinking of Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 11 through 13. Let me just read this to you. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, Jesus intended that this prayer that he gave us to pray would be, a, would be answered. And he instructed us to open the prayer by praying our Father. So we are praying uh, from the position of children with an expectation, like in this, in this illustration of, the, of the, the hungry child coming to the Father, full expectation that our, our prayer will be answered because he is a good father. So that's number one, pray it with childlike faith. Number two, pray it with focus rather than multitasking. Now, you're probably like me and you want to be obedient to the exhortation to pray without ceasing and so, your life, um, there, there may be just a, a, an ongoing kind of conversation with God throughout your day. You know, when you're driving, when you're mowing the lawn, when you're walking the dog, um, you know, when you're just sort of getting ready, putting, you know, doing your hair or whatever, there, there could be just this ongoing communion and, and conversation with God. And I think that's a, a beautiful way to live and that's what God wants for us. But we're, we're um, missing the boat if we don't also have an intentional time of prayer. That co conversation with God throughout our day is not sufficient. It's not enough. There also needs to be a time that is focused. Let me, um, let me take you back to Matthew 6. And verse 6 says this. When you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So what Jesus is instructing us here is he's saying, let your prayer be intentional. Let there be times of intentionality and purposefulness in your prayer where you're not doing anything else. These are the steps. You go into your room. So you're going doesn't have to be a room it could be you're going into your car or you're going for a walk in the park or you're, you're the idea is you're going somewhere private you're going somewhere where you can be real where you can be raw where you can pour your heart out so you're going somewhere so there's an intentional purpose there you're moving and then you shut the door now, for, for some of us, that is shutting the door. For others, it's turning off your cell phone or um, leaving it behind. So the, the distractions are gone. The shutting the door bit is, 
is enhancing the sense of privacy, but it's also <clears throat> um, making sure that there are no distractions to your time of prayer. And then from that place, pray to your Father um, who is in heaven. This will change your prayer life. If you haven't been doing this, this will change your prayer life. And it may be a little bit difficult at first, but stay with it. It's going to be really, really fruitful. Okay, number three. Um, third one is pray it daily. Pray the Lord's Prayer daily. And with that, incorporate perseverance in the things that you're asking for. What we find uh, when we're looking at the Lord's Prayer is that right in the center, we have this um, in, in Matthew 6, you'll see it in verse 11. You see the petition of give us this day our daily bread. Now, in the same way that there is an expectation that you're going to eat every day, there is an expectation that you need to ask for that food every day. And so the prayer is meant to actually be prayed on a daily basis. That was how it was designed. Now, that is not a law that if you don't follow it and pray it daily, that the, the, you know, your life's going to blow up or anything like that. Not at all. The idea would be to um, move towards a regular incorporating of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, don't let it become a bondage to you um, so that it just becomes uh, religious works. So we want to pray it daily. Pray it regularly. Uh, allow it to be a daily journey of, of uh, prayer, uh, communion, and intercession that you engage in, not just one-off, random, you know, sort of whenever you feel like it. So let it be a, a daily discipline that you are drawn into. And this is actually going to change your life because it will build prayer muscles in you in a way that you have, have you know, would never expect. It's just quite remarkable. Now, the, the other aspect to this, this do is the perseverance that you want to pray with. And so what happens when you're praying daily is often you're asking for the same thing that you asked for yesterday and the day before because that need is still before you. It hasn't yet been answered. And this is where we practice um, perseverance. And that's something that's very well uh, expounded. And Jesus teaches on this quite extensively, um, in, particularly in Luke 11, the surrounding passages of Luke 11, where he teaches from the parable of the uh, of the neighbor at, at midnight, the friend at midnight. Uh, he's, he's teaching this in, in Luke 11, verse 5 and following. And then he goes in to encourage them to ask and keep on asking, knock, keep on knocking. There's a, a sense of don't let go of the, the request. Just keep it before the Lord. Um, allow perseverance and, and that, that, um, that place of just uh, continuing on and continuing on in prayer until you see the answer. Allow that to develop in your life. The, um, the, the, in the parable of the friend at midnight, the, it, it says towards the end that, that the friend will... Um, be re rewarded with what he needs because of his impudence. That's what it says in the English Standard Version, but other versions will say because of his perseverance or because of his audacity, even shameless audacity. And so I just want to encourage you, ask and keep asking. Um, so pray it with 
perseverance. Um, number four, pray it with a dependence on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians uh, 6.18 says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Um, and, and that some people will consider that being uh, praying in the Spirit, meaning praying in tongues. And I think that's a part of it, but that's not entirely the fullness of praying in the spirit praying in the spirit is praying out of the leading of the spirit out of the the uh, anointing of the spirit out of the activity of the spirit in our lives and romans 8 verse 26 says likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought and so we need the helping of the helper the holy spirit and how does he help us he gives us revelation and he in enlightens us on what to pray he directs our thoughts he inspires us as we as we press into prayer we may not know how to pray and he all of a sudden floods our our hearts with a sense of oh it's this oh this this would be the will of god and we we move on that revelation he also fills us with faith sometimes you begin to pray for something and your faith level might be just at a mustard seed point. And then as you pray, all of a sudden there's a sense of an increase of that faith, um, uh, an enlargement of that faith. All of a sudden there's a sense of, oh, God really does want to do this. This is really on his heart. This is something that he's excited about. And so he, the Holy Spirit fills us with faith. And thirdly, he fills us with compassion. When we're praying for people that... Uh, have deep needs, praying for situations where there's um, brokenness and oppression. He changes our hearts from being just sort of neutral to being deeply engaged and passionate and filled with the love of God as we pray. Now, those are our four do's, and we have one more, and it's pray the Lord's Prayer with others. And this would be our last do. And so just to remind you that um, in Matthew, the prayer begins with our Father. And so uh, Jesus teaches us to go into our, our kind of closet prayer room and pray privately. But he also is teaching us in this prayer to also pray with others. So it's both. It's not one or the other, but it's both. So allow that personal prayer life to develop but then find others that you can pray with and pray the Lord's Prayer with others. Uh, historically, in the early church, this was considered the prayer of the church. And I think it, it, it really still is. But um, every congregation prayed it on a weekly basis when they would gather because it was their prayer. They prayed it together. They prayed it as siblings, as children of the Father. And when we pray it together, we recognize that we need each other and that when we join our hearts in prayer, we actually stir each other. Uh, the Holy Spirit will use one to encourage the other with more faith, to encourage the other with more revelation. There is a, a, a joining together with God in our midst and an engaging together as brothers and sisters praying to our Father who is in heaven. And so this is, um, this is number five, that's our last do. So hopefully this has been helpful to you, some do's and don'ts, the reading the instruction manual that came with the Lord's Prayer so that we don't end up 
um, frustrated. We don't end up uh, having to, to, you know, just kind of go back to square one and take it all apart. But, but learning to pray it the way that Jesus taught us to pray it. Um, so, so glad you could be with us this time. Next episode, this is going to be really fun. Next episode, we're going to be looking at the petition in the Lord's Prayer of your kingdom come. And we're going to be considering the fact that in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 20, it says that the kingdom of God is not just words, but power. And so what does it mean for the power of the kingdom of God to break in? And how do we pray for that in an effective uh, way that's answered? And so God bless you as you pray the Lord's Prayer and have a, a wonderful time in communion and in intercession with him. Yeah.